Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I spoke to Hope White, CEO, entrepreneur, logistics consultant, speaker, diversity and inclusion trainer, and all-around inspirational woman. It was an amazing episode, so if you were listening, I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. And if you missed it, not to worry, you can catch up now over on letstalksupplychain.com forward slash episode 140 or episode 140 wherever you subscribe to the Let's Talk Supply Chain podcast. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. What is quality assurance? SQA believes that quality is getting what you paid for. Quality is spectacular, iconic, heroic, patient safety, safe flights, and astronauts to space. Quality is worldwide. SQA has a global footprint that supports complex and highly regulated supply chains. The partnerships SQA has created over 25 years have benefited through integrated strategies where SQA is able to support clients on an annual basis. Each year, SQA works with its client partners and their suppliers in over 70 countries, deploying a robust network of over 1,000 associates. SQA understands the complexity and challenges within a global supply chain, and our clients have seen that the results from SQA exceed their internal efficiencies. Annually, SQA performs 3,000 audits, 150,000 hours of component inspections, and 35,000 hours of engineering supplier development. Quality is what you put into it and how great you want it to be. For over 25 years, SQA has been a leader in assessing, monitoring, and improving supply chain performance. Quality is SQA, so come and join us. You can visit us at sqaservices.com. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. This week, you're going to find me at a multitude of events. I'm going to be moderating a panel at the CSCMP Edge event. I'm also moderating a panel at the Supply Chain Tech event on Tuesday. And then also on Wednesday, I'm going to be talking about ships and what we've got going on there. And I'm also going to be part of the B2G Woman in Supply Chain event this week as well. So a really, really, really big week week ahead. So today I'm delighted to be joined by a company who are on a mission to improve the quality of goods we all rely on. From the foods we eat to the medicines we need, combining insurance, technology, and global health, they're a unique player in the supply chain industry. Who is it? Well, find out after the question of the week. So the question of the week is, what are the key elements that make a strong supply chain strategy? Rianne Kruger says, if I may put my two cents in, what I believe is missing is stakeholder buy-in. You can have an awesome team, super tech, and be part of a global network, but without buy-in from your key stakeholders on any of the above-mentioned strategies, you will most likely fail. Akshay, all three are important, but definitely people. People are needed to be empowered with strong 
software tools so they can be excited about the work they are doing. Davin also says, people, creativity, and determination. Miles, people and relationships first. Software your customers enjoy using that actually address their day-to-day issues is next. Brian Glick, relationships. When things go sideways, relationships make the magic happen. Matthew, people, 100% people. Any strategy built off strong software, but without an investment in talent to run the software is doomed for failure. Liliani says, I agree with the list, but I would include visibility because the information should be available to all who needs it. Bruna, strategic planning by customers. Knowledge of all process and emotional intelligence are the keys to the best way for a good supply chain. Jonathan P., my boss always says, I'll give you all the tools you need to do your job, but it's your attitude and problem-solving skills that will take you to the next level and earn the customer's trust. That was a great boss. Daniel, people through collaboration, love that word. John, good metrics. And Daniel Baca, software, people, global connections. Well, thank you to everybody who weighed in on the question of the week. Remember to join us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for the question of the week every single Wednesday morning. And if you'd like to get your voice heard on an upcoming episode, make sure to comment on the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn post. So now back to today's podcast. And which company am I talking to today? Well, it's Parcel. Yes, that's right. Parcel provides insurance products as well as GPS tracking technology with cell phone monitoring and data analytics through their web platform to allow companies to take control of their supply chain. And they're also utilizing that commercial technology to solve major global health challenges. With everything that's going on these last couple of months, you're not going to want to miss this episode because we are talking about vaccines and how are we going to get the vaccines to you. I'm joined by Ben from Parcel to talk about the company's unique offering, the future of supply chain and their partnerships with a range of organizations from governments to ministries of health to innovate and strengthen global health supply chains and improve lives. So before we dive into the company, let's learn a little bit more about Ben. Ben founded Parcel to solve the quality challenges he encountered while moving billions of dollars of life-saving products to every corner of the globe. And when I say every corner, he means every corner. Ben is a former senior Obama administration official where he served as chief of staff at the U.S. Agency for International Development and later as the director of USAID's credit financing division, the Development Credit Authority. He has held leadership and program positions at leading global development organizations, including One and the Clinton Foundation. So welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I'm a big fan of the show, so it's, uh, it's great to be on. Oh, I always, always love that. And I'm really excited to talk to you because Parcel is such an interesting mix of sectors and of commercial and humanitarian interests. And I'm not sure I can even think of many other companies like yours. So why don't we just dive straight in with the first question? So what's the history of the company? I see that you come from a global development background. Why don't you include and tell us, you know, about your transition into the world of supply chain tech as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, we are an interesting uh, company with a pretty unique uh, mission and purpose. Um, 
I mean, the basics, we're a technology company. We have a solution um, that uses smart sensors and data analytics to help shippers of sensitive goods understand uh, what's going on with those products as they're shipped and stored around the world. And we use that platform uh, to power a, a really innovative cargo insurance solution so we can both monitor uh, and insure sensitive cargo uh, that's being stored and shipped. Um, and I guess, you know, what's particularly interesting is how we started. My background, as you said, um, has largely been focused on uh, on economic and, and global health uh, development, particularly in Africa. And we developed um, our technology solution really to provide a better way to understand the conditions of life-saving global health products uh, as they're moved from manufacturers to patients um, who are in lower resource, lower infrastructure settings, um, often quite remote. So, uh, you know, the most acute example of that is a vaccine, which everyone's talking about these days, uh, and cold chain vaccines. So those, those products need to be kept cold uh, from the time they leave the manufacturer to the time um, they reach a child. And uh, we want to make sure that by the time the vaccine gets there, that it's safe and potent. Um, and so we have a, a solution that monitors the conditions of those vaccines, uh, identifies healthcare workers and logisticians when problems may be occurring, um, and most importantly, gives them insights to be able to, to understand where the weak points are so that they can target improvements and safeguard those very important medicines. So crucial. And I'm sure you're having some interesting discussions right now with what's going on with, with COVID. And I don't want to spend too, too much time on it, but I do want to maybe bring that to light as to some of the conversations that you're having right now and how you're helping in the pandemic and help us to get out of it. Yeah. I mean, we're, we um, are doing a lot in that regard. Um, we are very excited. Uh, we announced, I uh, haven't yet launched, um, that we are partnering with Lloyds of London uh, and several uh, leading global insurers to provide um, insurance coverage, cargo insurance coverage for the COVID vaccine distribution, uh, wow. which, as we all know, will be a massive global effort. And, uh, you know, we need to, to vaccinate every man, woman and child on the planet. Uh, and that, you know, represents some unique risk. Um, those all the vaccine candidates uh, uh, currently in trial uh, are cold chain or deep freeze chain. So, we are talking about a logistical undertaking, unlike anything the world has ever done. Uh, and so, you know, we're we're just one small player in that, but um, really excited to be bringing uh, a risk transfer, risk management solution um, to the the manufacturers and distributors of those products, particularly uh, the ones going to lower and middle income countries um, where the risks tend to be higher. Uh, but if we've learned anything about this pandemic, we need to vaccinate everybody. So this isn't just a matter of getting vaccines around the U.S. or Europe. Uh, everybody needs to get them and they need to be safe and potent by the time they get there. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that, right? Because a lot of the conversations that are kind of top of mind right now is okay, we're waiting on a vaccine, but logistically, how are we going to get it out there? Who is going to get it first? What does that look like? How are we going to reach those remote areas? Because, you know, the world is a really big place. And it sounds like, you know, we're really lucky to have a company like Parcel behind it. So why don't you tell us exactly what you guys do at Parcel? Yeah, so um, on the technology side, we design and, and manufacture uh, 
IoT sensing devices. So these are small sensors. We have a couple different uh, products now, um, but they'll monitor things like the temperature or humidity. Um, they're placed right next to the cargo. Uh, so, you know, in a box, in the case of vaccine, in a box of vaccines, um, and they are logging the environmental conditions uh, of those products um, throughout the course of the journey. And that may include a stop in a warehouse uh, for several months or, or a year, um, uh, or they can be really fast distributions. And then that data is uh, sent up to the cloud. Uh, it either hits one of our um, uh, our gateway devices uh, in, installed in warehouses. We have a smart uh, receptacle bin that detects the devices and sends the data to the cloud, or you can just scan it with your smartphone. Um, data goes up to the cloud, and that's where it's available to anyone, anywhere, um, for analysis. The, the, one of the, the things we are, are really focused on uh, are the data insights. So it's great to understand what happened on a particular shipment. And obviously, if something's happened, it's great uh, if you're trying to handle a claim. Um, but the, the real deep insight comes from understanding what's happening across lots of shipments. So we learn from good shipments and bad shipments. Um, we look at different things like seasonal variability or shipping lanes or packaging performance. There are a number of different variables that can impact a shipment outcome. And so we not only collect the sensor data, but we're combining it with these other data sets with the contextual information about the particular shipment. What was the product? Um, how does that product degrade uh, based on certain um, uh, environmental conditions? And that's what leads to, to really valuable insights. Um, you know, it can be understanding that there's a particular vendor in the supply chain, uh, maybe the cold storage warehouse uh, where you're having issues. Uh, we can pinpoint those. Um, uh, so, so that's where the insights come from. And then, and then obviously that data is really valuable, um, not just to the shipper, but, but to someone who's underwriting the performance of those shipments uh, from an insurance context. And, uh, and so we started to do both uh, because, because both are very valuable. And, you know, one of the things we realized was that there was sort of data collection happening from a quality control standpoint um, and not being done particularly well. Uh, and then there was insurance being underwritten uh, which wasn't being done with uh, with very good data. And those two worlds, despite sort of focusing on similar risks, didn't actually share a lot of information. Uh, even organizationally in companies, you know, they tend to be separate. You have a risk manager who, buy, who buys insurance or the CFO, you know, working more of a CFO treasury function. You have quality control uh, folks who tend to work more in a logistics um, uh, uh, or legal context. And, uh, and both of them benefit from the same data. So, um, so that's what we're about, is, is collecting that data, making it available to different stakeholders in the company, um, to, to insurers, to enable better, better coverage um, and lower risk. And that's what it's all about for everybody, is just how do we lower the risk and make sure we lose less product and make sure that the, you know, the food we're eating and the medicine we need is top quality by the time we get it. Yeah, and I think that's fascinating because you're taking the data that you are accumulating from a shipment perspective, right? You're able to give the shipper insights into what's happening with their shipments and where possible challenges are happening. But then what you've also done is you've pivoted with that data and you're, you're able to transition that into something that is not talked about a lot, which is 
insurance and cargo insurance and what that means for a shipper, which is great, right? Because you're looking at different use cases for that data and how to really take the information that the shipper is getting and transition it into other pieces of their business and how to protect them. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, let's be honest, insurance isn't I mean, I don't even know if supply chain is actually kind of cool now. I think with with COVID, <laughs> everyone's talking there. about supply chain and distribution. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm not sure, you know, insurance or cargo insurance is necessarily like a, a, a conversation topic at the dinner table. But it's a fascinating industry because it underlies so much of global trade. Yeah. Um, there is an insurer standing behind that that transaction in those terms of trade. Um, and they're taking a lot of risk. And, you know, you think about pharmaceuticals, you know, you can have millions or multi-millions uh, in a particular load. Um, you know, even in the seafood industry where we do a lot of work, you know, you'll have, uh, it's referred to as stock, but inventory, you know, sitting in cold storage warehouses that can be, you know, in the millions or tens of millions. Um, and it's it's sitting there and, and exposed. Um, and an insurer is on the hook if there's a catastrophic loss. A lot of these warehouses are in, you know, earthquake or fire zones, uh, hurricane, uh, uh, so wind and hail, uh, wind risk. Um, so, so these are, these are real perils, um, that impact supply chain that we, uh, may not focus on as much in the kind of headlines, but it's there regardless. And I think, you know, what's, what, what's so interesting is how, you know, how that impacts, uh, a supply chain, you know, actor, whether it's a supplier, um, they're, they're having to, uh, purchase insurance, um, the market for uh, cargo insurance, uh, they call it hardening in the insurance world. Um, but we're looking at really steep rate increases um, uh, for cargo insurance, uh, as high as 40% um, on renewals, uh, closer wow. to 20, 20, sorry, 40% on new business, 20% on renewals. Right. And, you know, that's partly... Um, really because prices were quite depressed uh, for the last 10 years um, to the point where uh, underwriting wasn't done profitably, uh, which was a problem for the insurance uh, underwriters um, and for, for a variety of reasons. So the market is now getting back to, I think, a, a, a more sane level. But if you've been underpaying for cargo insurance for the last 10 years and it's going back to what it should have been, you're not thinking that. And so uh, a lot of shippers are, are facing uh, rising costs on the insurance front. What we're really proud of is, you know, the the lines of business that insurers are kind of first to pull out of in a restricted environment like this. It's perishable, temperature sensitive business. It's the highest risk. Uh, they're more likely to see a loss. And so what we've seen is not only rate rises, but coverage is uh, being severely pulled back. So um, if you're a shipper of temperature-sensitive perishable food, for example, you're going to be paying more for insurance and getting less, which is not a great situation to be in. Um, and so with Parcel, what we're able to do is we can't necessarily uh, um, promise to pay less, but we can make sure that you have the comprehensive coverage that you need. Um, and so we are very proud to say that we have the kind of widest, broadest, best um, uh, coverage, temperature-sensitive coverage in the cargo market today uh, that covers... Um, losses from from any kind of temperature spoilage, whether it's human error or mechanical uh, or power failure. Um, and we're able to do that because we have sensors in those shipments and we understand, you know, exactly what happened to the product. Yeah. And what the last couple of months have really shown us is that we need to start working more collaboratively with every single one of our suppliers. And that includes insurance. And so having the data 
you know, on your shipments and what's happening with that and being able to provide some of that data and working hand in hand with your insurance provider is going to make for a much better relationship and a much better, um, you know, result in what you're going to be looking for from insurance. You know, especially if you're shipping, like you said, perishables, or if you're really shipping anything. I mean, cargo insurance these days, especially what's been happening, is essential. And having the data to be able to provide your insurance provider or having them have that kind of data is monumental. I mean, it's huge. Now, we spoke a little bit about at the beginning about COVID and what's been happening in the pandemic and and kind of how you've been helping. Um, And you have a really big global health side of your business. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because from what I've seen, it looks like you're doing some incredible and really valuable work in that area. So let's explore that a little bit more. Yeah. And that's really why we started the company. It represents a large part of what we do today um, is our global health business. And so by that, um, we are monitoring uh, vaccines, uh, predominantly vaccines uh, in several African countries, um, you know, some other global transits related to vaccines. And so again, as I was saying earlier, those are cold chain, for the most part, cold chain, meaning uh, when I say cold chain, it typically means keeping products between two and eight degrees uh, uh, Celsius. Um, so it's basically think of like the temperature of your refrigerator at home is is more or less the temperature you want to keep those at. So um, so yeah, we uh, these are these are vaccines. Uh, we work with um, I should say we work with Gavi, the Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunizations, uh, it was a really important and early partner of ours, and still a incredible uh, partner and just more importantly, an incredible organization. Um, they've saved tens of millions of kids' lives um, uh, over the last 20 years. It was started in the year 2000, um, largely uh, uh, due to the efforts of, of Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Um, and, uh, and, and they're now uh, the largest supplier of childhood vaccines um, to something like 70 countries around the world. And, uh, and have just achieved some incredible life-saving results. And you can track, you know, reductions in child mortality to the availability of vaccines uh, and vaccines that have been, you know, provided by uh, Gavi's efforts to make them uh, more affordable and widely available. Uh, but a big part of what they do not only is just making them affordable and available, but you have to distribute them. So yeah. um, they've been working with with African governments and ministries of health and private sector to improve that um, cold chain uh, that that's moving the products from manufacturers, you know, thousands of miles away, um, and and distributing them um, to kids in remote communities uh, uh, in in many low low income countries around the world. So we're very proud to to play a part in that. We're working in a couple countries now. Um, we are in close to sixty percent of the health system in one country, uh, monitoring refrigerators and transits, um, and have collected just a huge amount of data um, that's allowing us to understand uh, where the weak points are in the supply chain. Um, You know, a good example, we found that uh, in one particular country, uh, nearly 50% of the damage that was happening to vaccines was coming from just 5% of the refrigerators that that house the vaccines. Wow. Um, and so we're able to identify those refrigerators um, and, and, and uh, either replace them or, or, um, or, or, or do maintenance, or in some cases, you know, the dial was just set incorrectly. Um, so it can vary, 
but there's some, you know, it's, it's a good example of what data can do to target improvements um, and, and reduce risk. So, um, so yeah, we're, that work has been uh, ongoing for the last two years and uh, really excited to be expanding that. And um, obviously, uh, uh, we'll be doing our part to make sure that the, uh, COVID-related vaccines, um, which will, you know, Gavi is going to be playing an enormous role in uh, getting a COVID vaccine out um, to many of these same lower uh, and lower middle income countries, um, we'll, be, we'll be playing our part in supporting them and doing that. And you're making a difference. I mean, you know, what you've set out to do and what you're doing, not only in the logistics and the supply chain space, you're making a difference in people's lives globally, which is huge. You know, when you look to work with a company and you look to have them, you know, work closely with them, collaborate with them, have them work within your supply chain and logistics, you also want to know that there are looking at the socioeconomic issues and that they're making a difference in, in the world as well, because then you can work together to do that. And so I really like that you shared that with me. But now I want to talk about some more examples, because anyone who's a regular listener knows how much I love a case study. They love a case study, you know, just so we can put things into perspective. So why don't you give us a real life example of how you've helped a customer, maybe on the tech side, maybe in the logistics and supply chain space? Um, yeah, sure. So, um, think of a few examples. You know, I mean, in one case, um, we've been talking a lot about temperature, but um, humidity or wet damage is another big problem, uh, particularly for commodities. So, uh, actually, early on, we worked um, with a large cocoa supplier and their insurer to understand uh, uh, humidity or wet damage uh, to cocoa. Um, and cocoa is interesting. It, the, the season for harvesting and shipping it um, is roughly from November to April. Um, and a lot of the cocoa, uh, most of the cocoa in the world comes from West Africa. Uh, it's a, you know, hot, humid West African climate. But of course, during those months, it's going to the main trade lane is to Northern Europe. And uh, between November and April, it tends to be very cold. So what you end up having is a lot of condensation in these containers. Um, and, and, it, and it results in a lot of damage. Um, there's a bunch of industry practices to try to reduce this, but none of them are really powered by actual data. Um, and so we um, uh, monitored a season of those shipments, understood the humidity intensity along these different trade lanes, um, measured the impact of, of different uh, remediation uh, actions. You can put dry bags in, you can vent the containers in different ways, you can line them with different uh, material um, to really put some data behind those. And, you know, uh, in that case, we were able to um, contribute to reducing the loss ratio for that client by 25%, which is a massive improvement, um, especially for the insurer who was losing money uh, yeah. on that particular account. Um, so that's one example. You know, back on the vaccine side, I gave you one on the um, on the refrigerators. You know, one of the interesting things is most people think, well, vaccines have to be kept cold. So the big risk must be heat, right? They get too hot uh, and and uh, and they degrade. So that's true. Uh, but vaccines are much more tolerant of heat exposure uh, from a degradation standpoint than they are to uh, cold temperatures or freezing. Um, huh. And so often what happens is in our attempts to keep vaccines cold, we freeze them. Uh, right. And that can happen, um, you know, for, for a variety of reasons, but it's actually the bigger risk in, uh, in these cold chains for vaccines is freeze events. Um, and so, you know, we, we've, we found actually, a, a, a all too high number of vaccines are subject to, 
dangerous levels of freezing, um, nearly 25%. Uh, and that's actually supported by academic studies that have been done in the past in, in both high-income countries like the United States and low-income countries. Um, freezing events are a real issue. So we're trying to bring some attention to that um, with, with our different partners. Um, and then just recently, um, as we've been talking about insurance, you know, we were able to help, um, a, a large seafood company that was looking at, uh, you know, steep increases in, in their, uh, in price for their insurance program and a, uh, a, a reduction in coverage. Um, Parcel was able to, to step in, um, and give them a better, uh, you know, temperature monitoring solution, uh, wider coverage on their insurance policy, um, and, uh, and, and we're really excited to be, you know, supporting companies um, in this challenging time uh, by giving a better technology and, and better risk management. Yeah. And those are amazing, you know, examples of what we can really do with data and how all of this can really help along the different parts of the supply chain. I mean, let's face it, we talk about data or data all the time. Um, but in some cases, we we don't really know exactly what we need and, and how to use it. And it sounds like you're really helping companies to be able to do that. So in saying that, who is then an ideal customer for Parcel? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, we tend to work most often with suppliers. Um, and that's for the simple reason that they uh, typically are the ones bearing the risk of shipping the product to their customer. Um, your listeners are probably familiar with Inco terms, but the terms of trade dictate who needs to buy the insurance or who's on risk in that transaction uh, until a certain point in in the, the transit. So, um, but for simple reasons, it's usually, you know, they're delivering it to um, to the port or to the the customer's you know warehouse, um, and so they have a lot of the risk, uh, and you know they have both compliance risk from a safety standpoint. They've got uh, the financial risk, uh, but then their customers also have some risk, right? They may not have the financial risk uh, while that product's um, uh, in transit, but once they receive it, um, uh, they may have food safety uh, uh, compliance and protocols they need to achieve. So. What, what we found is that both the uh, supplier and the uh, uh, customer, the one who's going to be selling it to an end consumer, care a lot about quality. Um, and right now, the constant refrain we get from suppliers is, hey, I put data loggers in my shipment. I never see the data. And then on mm-hmm. the receiver side, they say, yeah, we get a lot of data loggers and we only look at them when there's a problem. Right. So, you know, you can see why you do that. Um, to identify problems on exception basis. But of course, we all know by now that the best kind of learning comes from data on good shipments and bad shipments. Why did some go well, others not? That's how we can get ahead of problems. It's how we can find so many valuable insights. So we've been to, you know, many a distributor um, or, or retail uh, wholesaler um where these data loggers, uh, sort of the kind of legacy solutions will be pulled out and they're kind of if they're looked at, um, which is not always the case, they're just kind of thrown in the trash, which isn't great from an environmental standpoint. Um, it's a tragedy from a data standpoint because we're literally throwing data away. Um, in best case scenario, they maybe they get downloaded and there's a CSV file sitting somewhere. So we, you know, we love data at Parcel. We want to make sure that data gets up to the cloud um, where it can be analyzed and integrated and used in all the, the modern ways that we 
we've all you know learned to to use data and that's the that's the kind of simple evolution in what we're doing is you know the the idea of a sensor and a shipment for supply chain your listeners it's not new um, but the way those solutions have been architected the kind of existing practices with some slight tweaks uh, can be upgraded and we can just use this data so much more strategically. Um, and, you know, it's improving their own supply chains. Like I said, we can you know, use it to power better insurance. Um, and, uh, and, and everyone benefits when that data is, you know, made available um, uh, to, to, the, to, to, the, to the different stakeholders. Yeah, and be proactive and enhance collaboration. Hey, I say it on this show all the time. Collaboration is the future of business. <laughs> And data is definitely the foundation of that, especially from what we've been talking about today. So I want to switch gears and talk about the future. Um, I've said in previous podcasts, you know, I've talked about the consistency of change and how quickly our industries and all industries really are evolving. So how do you see the future of supply chain? Well, I just think that the the dividend from being strategic about data collection and 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 using it strategically, it's just gonna it's gonna create kind of real uh, uh, delta between you know the winners and the losers. And I think the people who are gonna get ahead of um, ahead of risk, uh, who are gonna turn that data into customer value. Uh, we haven't really talked about you know consumer preferences now. People are really focused on quality, on provenance yeah. of products. Um, so the companies that are collecting that data and using it for their to improve their own operations, using it to, the, to improve their insurance, using it to improve the customer experience, I think will be the winners. Um, and, you know, supply chain, uh, you know, it's, it hasn't been necessarily on the, the renaissance of tech, but it's certainly uh, changing fast. I mean, we've just seen so much change even since we started our company a couple of years ago. Um, and, and we're starting to see it now too with people said, oh yeah, you know, I've used data loggers before. I collect this data and, uh, and now I say, actually, you know, I see, I see what you're saying. We could actually do this quite differently, uh, without much trouble. And, um, so yeah, I think, and I think what, as we see more, I guess, kind of cross industry usage of that data, Insurance being a great example, um, you know, as as underwriters, uh, uh, cargo underwriters become aware that this data is available, you know, they're going to want to use it. And I think the days of someone saying, I'll take a risk on your, you know, your shipment worth millions of dollars, um, uh, sort of blindly uh, are over. And, over. and asking a, a, an insured customer or client to put a, you know, a low cost uh, in some cases, you know, less than 10 bucks, uh, put a sensor in there. It's not a lot to ask. And, um, and so I think you're just going to see more incentives, if not hard mandates, but people are going to create the right incentives to collect that data. Because um, as I said, it really benefits the whole system. Yeah. And you touched on a, you touched on a point there. What's that light bulb moment that your customers are having when they bring up that objection to you? As you know, we've seen data loggers before. What makes yours any different? What's that light bulb moment for them? Yeah. You know, it's always when we show them the software, because if you're talking to someone about hardware, people just revert to hardware, right? Like, this thing versus that thing, this feature versus that feature. And, you know, we we have put tons of work and time and effort and resources into creating really incredible hardware. But where we pull away, it's with the software. And, and we design hardware as a means to an end. It is not, it's not the point, really. It's just a way to collect the data. Um, and, and we want to make it easy to get the data because the data is the thing that's powerful. So when we, you know, get beyond 
here's the hardware and show them, you know, what software and, and what data insights look like in our software platform. That's when the light bulb goes off. And that's always a fun experience for us. Awesome. Awesome. So then with all of that in mind, what does the future hold for Parcel? Yeah, well, we're um, right now we are so focused on on uh, on COVID um, and making this insurance uh, facility at Lloyd's available. It should be launching um, uh, mid to late October. Uh, we've launched a special syndicate at Lloyd's called 1796. And that date is the year that um, uh, Edward Jenner, who was a British physician, uh, discovered what would become the smallpox vaccine, which is the only uh, uh, only, only disease we've completely eradicated. Um, so no small inspiration. So we're launching syndicate 1796 and that will, uh, be underwriting, uh, risks around distribution of COVID and other related, you know, products, um, uh, related to COVID-19, uh, uh, vaccinations. So that's, that's a big focus of ours. Um, we also, I should, you know, mention we have a, a, a branded insurance offering called cold cover. So we're offering that to, uh, perishable shippers in, in uh, the U.S. and U.K., um, adding some additional countries here shortly. Uh, and, uh, and then, we, you know, we're, we're doing a lot in some particular industries, um, seafood being one of them. We're really excited and uh, are kind of getting a deeper, deeper specialization where we're, we're able to understand uh, how particular species of, of fish are degrading and um, doing, you know, interesting shelf life calculations. So, you know, as, as, as with any piece of technology, uh, you know, the product just gets better with every day and, um, and the potential only grows. So we're excited to be kind of operating at a pretty global level for a young company um, and, and working with some really incredible partners. And making a global impact. I am so excited for the listeners to hear your story and to listen to what you're doing to change the industry and how you're really making an impact over at Parcel. So if you would like to hear more, please visit letstalksupplychain.com forward slash episode 142, or you can visit them on their website at Parcel, that's P-A-R-S-Y-L dot com. A big thanks to Ben and the the team over at Parcel for joining me today on the show. Yeah, and Sarah, thanks for having me. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. We have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to Let's Talk Supply Chain forward slash podcast to check out the latest. And next week is the start of a new month. So you know what that means. We have a new powerhouse woman in supply chain coming on the show. And I think most of you know who she is. That's Michelle Livingstone of Home Depot. And I cannot wait for you to hear her journey to success in supply chain. Thank you.
If you enjoy our podcast, there's a few ways to support the show. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can subscribe to us over on YouTube, the SC Supply Chain TV, as well as subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. Second, go to ships.com. Yes, we have launched. Forwarders and shippers are getting together on the ships platform. That's shipz.com. And they are making the magic happen. And we want you to be one of them. So go and check it out and sign up. Next, you can find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop over on letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. And if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, make sure to go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show and I will feature you on an upcoming episode. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.